Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Money Men New Year's edition. I'm Luke Styles, and joined with and by Stephen May. How are you, Steve? A good look. Um, 20th of the 1st, 2022. It is. We lasted a show on the 17th of December, I think. Yeah, a month and a bit ago, so yeah. seems a long time. How did you um, spend Christmas and New Year? Um, first Christmas with Isaac, so mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, him sort of probably being pretty overwhelmed with lots of toys and yeah. you know, lots of people, but it was, yeah, we had a great time and, and you know, it was good to catch up with lots of people. We had Christmas. Christmas at our house um, mm-hmm. for the first time. So no, not the first time, second time. So that was that was really fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, mate, back into it. Back into it. Yeah, I'm similar. I had a pretty quiet Christmas and uh, a good refreshing break. And yep. I've still got a few days off here and there through uh, through the rest of January. So looking forward to that. Yeah, awesome. So we've we've been up to some stuff over the Christmas New Year period. What have the markets been up to? Markets are down, about one percent generally. So mm. across the board, so ASX down one percent for the month. Um, Dow Jones down one percent for the month, and the S and P five hundred down one percent for the month. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty choppy. Yeah. So, so we been, said a month here. We usually do a fortnight. Yeah. So we've actually just gone gone the month. Yeah. Um, um, so you know, one percent uh, down. But there have been days where you know the market, various markets have been down two two percent. Yep. Up up one or two. As we know, happens all the time. It's exactly right. Don't watch your investments every day. No, uh, you'll go crazy. That's uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Any 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 really any investment uh, into share markets or or growth assets um, generally, such as property mm. as well. Um, yeah, for the long term, doesn't matter what happens over the course of a week or a month, provided you're in good quality assets. Good sound advice. Speaking mm-hmm. of advice, general advice only. Yep. In today's conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, it is general musings, only. So um, just yeah, well, they are our musings and uh, some of our opinions, <laughs> yep. and we try not to be too controversial. But um, yeah, it depends you know, how we're feeling yeah, on the day. How we're feeling. <laughs> what else has happened over the past month? Well, um, obviously Christmas, New Year, Omicron. Is that what it's called? Omicron? I think so. Yeah, yep. whatever it's called. Um, the latest variant mm. <laughs> that is um, attacking. Yeah, everyone. Everyone. Um, that, that's the sort it's of stuff. It's interesting though. Like radio, you know, we, we we went from knowing no one who had had COVID. Mm. Um, you know, throughout 2020, mm. 2021, mm. and then all of a sudden, this person, that person, you know, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it was just weird how, you know, how quickly things changed. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we keep talking about living with the virus, and I think that's probably the right approach, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and and it's good to see, I think, um, you know, we're not, we don't propose to be medical professionals, nor remember we're financial planners, but it's actually good to finally see that, you know, the government you know, saying, hey, stop focusing media on, on case numbers. Let's focus on, you know, severe illness, death, you know, the, the actual important consequences of the of the virus. So, you know, it's good to see a bit of a kickback. I, I, I like that. I like how the media are being kind of, you know, pushed back in their corner. Um, you know, they probably don't like it. I do. But mm-hmm. anyway, yep. so, yeah, thought I'd we add that have, in. We all have listeners who have a different view. Um, well, of and course. That's, and that's, yeah, yeah, and that's, that's okay. Not everyone is allowed to have this. Um Novak Dokovic, that was an interesting week or two, wasn't it? <laughs> hey? um, so um, we, you know, we had that. So that in the last month, we've had a week or two of Novak. Yep. Um, I was sick of Novak by the time um, 
he uh, he left the country. I honestly and don't I even actually wasn't even I wasn't sick of Novak. I was sick of the coverage. news and the coverage yeah. and the and the vitriol that was floating around. Um, yeah. Watch whichever side of it you, the people stood. They were attacking each other. It was just crazy. It seems to be the theme, you know. People are on one side or the other, you know, the, other, the last yeah, couple yeah, of years. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, whether, yeah. whatever your position is. But anyway. Yeah, um, we had the, the Cricket Ashes series, which you're not into cricket, but I, I am. And I was glued to the TV and watched the, the Englishmen or the Pommies yeah. um, get smashed. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Cool. Um, Move on. <laughs> the Australian Open tennis is, uh, is obviously just kicking off and um, we've got a few Aussies uh, competing for that. So, you know, a, a busy uh, month uh, it has been. So, And life is going on. Life is definitely going on, as it always does. Um, okay, what are we going to talk about today? Um, you've put on here, Steve, percentage-based fees versus fixed dollar advice fees. Um, so just discussing what a advice fee in the context of a financial advice fee is, um, the pros and cons of each method, uh, conflicts of interest in the financial world, how to protect yourself, and Robin Powell's book, um, who's written jointly with Ben Carlson, I believe uh, how you pronounce his name, um, and I think the title is, of the book is Invest your way to financial freedom. You're reading that at the moment, Steve, or just a... I've read it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's some interesting topics and thoughts in that book that I thought over the coming weeks we might just um, talk talk and share about. Awesome. And share with. Um, All right. Okay. All right. Percentage-based advice fees versus um, non-percentage-based advice fees. So that's that could be considered jargon or gibberish to some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. What does it actually mean? Um, some of our listeners will know, but... What is what are advice fees? Yeah, so advice fees are fees that you pay to a financial planner mm-hmm. to advise you on your financial situation. So that can be, you know, as you know, concentrated as a single account or an investment to you know things as as diverse as your whole financial picture, mm-hmm. um, and and that can be encompassed, you know, in a financial advice fee. Now, typically speaking, you've got two different methods of charging. There's a fix fix. Yeah, if, go back a sec. Oh, yep. yeah. So there's Two, two sort of levels to advice fee. Mm-hmm. There, there'd be generally an advice fee that is charged and paid by a client mm-hmm. when they're setting up a plan. Yeah, yeah. So a new work, yeah, yeah. Um, new work and implementation of a plan. Mm-hmm. And then what we're specifically going to be talking about today are ongoing advice yeah. fees. So the advice fees that you pay to a financial planner to monitor and support your um, strategy yep. throughout time. Yeah, over time. Fair yeah, 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 that's yeah. absolutely. And and I guess what I'm saying there is, it could be as narrow as you know, just looking after you know, and mo- you know, monitoring and reviewing one investment to you know, monitoring and reviewing your entire picture. Yep. Um, and that's going to dictate the, yep. Yep. you know, that's that could be argued that dictates the price of the fee. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So there's two different schools of thought, I guess. Um, there's you know the fixed advice fee school of thought, which you know is reflective of you know, arguably what is required to service the client so, on an ongoing basis and that, and then the fee would be fixed around that. Yeah, so ba- the fee would be fixed and known in a dollar sense. Yes. Based on the services and support and value provided mm-hmm. for that client. Yep. Yep. And, you know, negotiated and spoken about and agreed upon yep. um, at the start. Yep. <coughs> so, yep. Client, um, you know... You know, Mr. Client, you receive, you know, uh, this type of advice. We're going to fix it at, you know, 
two grand, for example, plus GST. So it's a fixed fee, you know, generally paid monthly over the whole year. Yeah. Now, now, now not everyone necessarily needs an ongoing advice yeah, yeah. arrangement, do they? Uh, absolutely yeah, so not. Pe- so people with un- you know, very simple needs or people who understand um, and can manage their own affairs don't need ongoing advice. Yep. But for those that do and see the value in it, um, then yeah, that's one method yeah, of charging. And, that, and that probably brings us into our second piece, which we'll, we'll just park. Um, you know, why would you actually pay for advice? So yeah, we can we'll park t- that for a sec. Yeah, park that for a sec. So the other school of thought for charging an ongoing advice fee is a percentage base fee of funds under advice. So, yep. you know, so if I come to you, Steve, and I've got three hundred grand mm-hmm. um, to invest, if I'm operating under the percentage based fees advice model, I'm going to charge you, you know, a percentage of that, which is typically around one point one percent in the market. That's probably That's what I see you know, the, yeah. yeah. Historically historically point five to one yeah, percent. You know, for Depends. for yeah. simplicity purposes, let's call it one percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's typically what you'll see. So, hey, you come to me, I manage your investment for you, um, and part of that advice fee is percentage based. Well, sorry, the advice fee is percentage based, so I'm, I'm collecting $3,000 um, per annum. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, that is determined on what the value of the underlying asset is, you know, hence it being a percentage based fee. So, yeah. Yeah. so if you've got yeah, whatever amount of money that your financial advisor is managing for you, mm-hmm. you're paying. That financial advisor, one percent yep. of that value, of yep. that amount. Okay. All right. Well, why would you? Yeah, why would you pay an advice fee anyway? Yeah, sure thing. I think it's like a. I mean, so you're asking me the question. Now, so this is a question I get a fair, a fair bit. Why? What can you do for me? That's you know, that's going to add value. And and sometimes I turn it around and say, well, it's not necessarily. You know the the extra ounces of return I'm going to get you because that that certainly does exist. Mm-hmm. That, you know there definitely is a metric value to engaging ongoing financial advice that has actually been studied and and published. However, I actually like to say it's the it's the mistakes that we're likely to prevent you from making. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know it's almost capital preservation. Why would you engage in ongoing advice? You know it's ensuring you're on track and not making poor financial decisions. So it doesn't necessarily need you mean that things need to be tinkered with or changed and you know I, I say that tinkered with a little bit tongue in cheek but you know it doesn't necessarily need to you know be you know changed and adjusted continually to to seem that there's some type of perceived value but we can definitely assist with preventing you making poor decisions to help you pre- preserve your capital better than yeah. what you may have otherwise done on your own. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's the value add, isn't it? It is. It's part of the value add. I mean, there have been studies that show that um, the most important part of the investment decisioning mm. um, isn't so much the product you're in, mm. provided that product is yeah, reasonably. Expect, reasonably priced. Yeah, it's actually how you invest, so your exposure to various asset classes, yeah, yeah. And, and keeping that on track with your particular yeah, needs and, and desires. Yeah. So, so we know, like, we know that most people look. Most people are probably probably a little bit more conservative than what they need to be to achieve, you know, achieve, you know, 
the rates of return they need to fund a comfortable retirement. But if you go and do it on your own, you, you and we see this all the time, you know, how many times have people gone, oh, yeah, you know, we had COVID um, market downturns or we had the GFC, we pulled our money out, we put it back in. Well, you know, you're doing untold damage to a portfolio, which we've yeah. talked about in the past. Now, if you've got someone in your court they're going to be available to prevent you from making those, you know, detrimental decisions that are going to erode your wealth prematurely. Yep. So your point was um, a good financial planner um, will charge advice fees that mean that you'll stay on track with your financial plan. Um, you will rebalance um, and reweight your investment profile yep. according yep. to your All that profile. stuff, yep. Um, so they'll be there as a sounding board mm-hmm. and um, a, a person of comfort. Okay, when you're fearful, mm-hmm. um, but they'll be there to remind you um, of um, the fact that the world isn't ending. Yeah. And Which is, in some respects, like, may not be quantifiable. Well, it's not. And, um, and, and that's super important to understand. And also, as you said, a good financial planner will um, help prevent their clients make the big mistake. Yeah. Okay, and the big mistake, is, as you alluded to, can be hey, the market's down, my super's down by 20%, I'm mm. going to get out of investments mm. and into cash. Mm. Wrong, dumb. Yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. shouldn't say dumb. No, dumb. No, dumb. no, dumb. I'm, um, I'm happy with that. And so if a person has got that sounding board yeah. that they know and have come uh, comfortable with to contact before they make those decisions, yeah. um, a, a good financial planner can prevent things that yeah. will send them backwards. Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay, so that's why you might pay an advice fee. Um, listen, as, as I said, I don't think everyone does need to pay an advice no. fee. Um, and and um, sometimes the advice fee um, can be quite low uh, because there isn't a lot of um, uh, ongoing work or, or support that needs to be given. Mm. Um, but where there is one, um, they're the things that, um, that the advisor adds value in. Okay, so what are the pros and cons of the, the two different types of advice fee structures? So we've talked about um, fixed dollar fees where mm-hmm. uh, for the year or each year a certain fixed dollar amount is charged um, regardless of anything else, okay? So regardless of the performance of funds or whatever, it's a yep. set dollar amount yep. um, compared to percentage base, which is just 1.1% say um, yep. of the amount of money that is being managed by the financial planner. Yep. Let's talk about the pros and cons of fixed dollar fees yeah, first. So I'd, I'd probably say, you know, the, the key pro of a fixed dollar um, is that it's understood and agreed upon before it's charged. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's pretty important that the value add is articulated um, up front mm-hmm. and, and then is, you know, retrospectively charged. Uh, sorry, not, not, not retrospectively charged, prospectively charged, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that is pretty important because, you know, I'm saying I can deliver, you know, X, Y, Z. Yes, there are some intangible things that might not be, you know, necessarily explicitly stated, but they're there. Um, and, and you know, so I'm saying I can deliver these things. This is what you're going to char- be charged for those services. It's up, it's up, it's known up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's no, you know, there's no... Um, you know, ambiguity to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's pretty important. There's there's more to more to it than that. Yeah, I mean that's one of the, the main pros, isn't it? Um, yeah. Are there any others? Well, yeah, that's probably it. You, 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 as a as a client, you're engaging with a financial planner. You know exactly what you're going to get mm. and exactly what you're going to be charged. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, so, and you can make a decision as a client as to whether you see that that adds value. 
Um, yeah. And we know that with financial planning fees, that they you know, they can be turned off at any time. So, you know, just because you enter into an ongoing fee arrangement mm. doesn't mean that you can't cancel it at any time if you don't see the value in the future. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for fixed, fixed dollar fees, you know, you, you're getting services and support and you're paying an amount that you um, know uh, in advance. Um, and that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I think the power is, you know, not, sorry, the, the person engaging, so the client engaging with that fixed fee is in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. They know what they're going to pay and they know, you know, what they're going to get for that fee. So the alternative is percentage-based fees. Now, now let's be very clear here that this isn't designed. You know, I didn't put this on our agenda today to to be an attack against one or the other, mm. um, but it's designed to be an even conversation around the pros and cons. Um, so we're not here to say that fixed-dollar fees are right or percentage-based fees are, are right. Um, people can form their own views on that, but we, you know, we want to we want to talk about. Um, the impact um, of each. So, percentage-based fees. So should we so go? Should we go back just one, Steve? Mm-hmm. So, just as far. So, you know, full disclosure. So, people mm-hmm. listening and understand how how we charge for ongoing advice. Well, we're the money men, so we actually don't charge for ongoing advice. Well, so, no, you, so, you, you no, we have we have a belief that dollar. Fixed dollar fees. Yes, and in um, our day jobs, that's, day you know, jobs, yeah, in yeah. our day jobs so as financial planners. We're not going to talk about what we, we do okay, necessarily. All right. it's, it's about the <laughs> well, pros and cons of the different <laughs> methods. Yeah, yeah, but so, we, but we mm, sit in a, you know, mm, full disclosure, we sit in a certain camp, and mm, I think that's important to understand. Mm, mm, and, I, and I get that we're not trying to, you know, pin one against the other in yeah. this conversation, but people probably need to understand, you know, what camp we sit in. And, yep. and we do sit in the fixed dollar camp. Yeah, we do. Um, it doesn't mean we're right. <laughs> no, no, no. But just because we said no camp doesn't mean that there's uh, an alternative that's that is suitable for a client. No, yeah, and so, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm just yeah. letting everyone know where we where, stand. Where we sit, yeah. yeah. Okay, percentage-based fees are a little different because they're based on the amount that is actually invested through the financial plan, aren't they? Because yep. um, percentage-based fees, in reality, can only be charged from um, financial products they can't be charged against, um, yeah. you know, house value or, house value or investment your properties. Net wealth of their yeah. other assets. And yeah. So, um, so, so percentage-based fees are sort of a bit narrower, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and as we said, they generally they generally sit in our, in the current market at around one percent of assets managed. Yeah. Funds under management, we call it in in yeah. our profession. So you know, you've got a you've got Three hundred thousand dollars of superannuation being managed, or a million dollars of superannuation, and mm-hmm. um, or two million dollars of superannuation, and five hundred thousand dollars in a managed fund, whatever. Yep. Um, and you're being charged one percent. Yep. Um, now, pros to that? Well, what? well, again, that is disclosed, um, and and the customer, the client, has to agree to it before yep. it's charged. Yep. Um, so they understand as an estimate of what they might be charged yeah, throughout yeah. throughout a twelve month period. Yeah. Um, based yeah. on their current asset values. Yeah. So 1% is not much, is it? Well, you know, you and I have had, you know, pretty robust conversations both on the show and, you know, yeah. offline as well. What does 1% do to someone's wealth? Um, Nothing. It's only 1%. Well, you know, so, so it, sounds, so it yeah. sounds palatable. Of course it does. And, yeah. and, again, agree with you. We're not, we're not pinning one against the other in this conversation. We're just trying to articulate some of the facts around the matter. 
So, okay, 1%. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so, yeah. So, so let's do a comparison. Let, let's just say someone had $300,000 yep. invested. Lucky right. I've got this right. Hot, hot, right off, the, hot off the press. Right. So, yeah, so so yeah $300,000 for 30 years, yeah. all right, and it's going to grow over time. Right, it's yeah. going to grow from three hundred thousand to whatever. Um, so we assume, like you know, a reasonably growthy portfolio yeah. achieves over a thirty-year period seven and a half percent per annum compounded. So it's a bit over two point six mil. Mm-hmm. That, that's what the person, this theoretical investor, has yeah. starting with three hundred grand. So yeah. you know, they engage the planner one percent. So it doesn't sound like a lot of money. Year one fee, you know, is theoretically three grand. Yeah. What happens over 30 years as you experience growth in that portfolio and still earn that, you know, rate of return of 7.5%, but on top of that, there's a fee coming out equivalent to 1% of the net assets, uh, sorry, equivalent to the gross assets invested. Now, again, 1% doesn't sound like a lot, but the net result is 1.9 1.9 million left over as opposed to 2.6. So over 30 years, you've paid close to $576,000 in yeah. advice, ongoing advice fees. Yeah, okay. So put that another way, I mm. mean, uh, after 30 years, mm-hmm. your advice fee isn't $3,000, it's roughly $26,000 for the year. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And so, it's been progressively increasing yeah, yeah. each year in line with positive performance. Now, we can talk about it going the other way because mm-hmm. that could be argued as a pro to a percentage-based fee. So if you're actually drawing down on your account, your fee is becoming less. Yeah. Now, I've got some you know, personal views on that mm-hmm. um, you know, as to why that might not necessarily be a good thing, but we'll just come back to this conversation. Yeah. So let's theoretically assume that instead of, you know, one percent, one percent, it was a fee of around two thousand two hundred dollars, okay. which you know yeah. could be argued, you know, is high, low, middle, who knows? We just wanted to get a, you know, a, a figure. So a fixed fee that's adjusting with inflation at three percent per annum, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's just the purpose of the example. What are the total fees if you paid a fixed fee of, you know, two thousand two hundred just for inflation? Over 30 years. Now, the total fee you pay is $100,000 over that 30-year period. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it, it's, it's you know, pretty pretty powerful. Yeah. So, the fifth over, yeah. over the lifetime yeah. of, the, of the client. So, right, well, there's – was that a pro or a con? We t- started talking about a pro it being a positive, but we turned it into a negative, really, didn't we? Which I, one I, did I, we turn into I, a negative? I guess, well, you're paying more for the – for the um, obviously for the percentage base fee. Well, so you know, so, so more is is you know. Yeah. So it's important. Yeah, I is guess, there value delivered? Yeah, I guess the key is if you're going to pay five times more over the course of your life. Yes. Then make sure that you are getting value for that. Yes. Is that fair? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Now, you, that, you know, you may personally believe that you're not going to get value for that, but if the client, what we always say is that clients should research, ask questions and continually assess whether they're getting value out of their you know, financial products and financial mm. services. Mm. Um, but, you know, another point to it is, is if you've got a million dollars with advisor, financial planner, yeah. eight, and financial play, and you're paying 1%, then you're paying 10 grand a year mm-hmm. in advice. It's only 1%, but it's 10 grand. Yeah. Okay. Is it fair that you pay 10 grand 
when your next door neighbour may also be with financial planner A and has $500,000 being managed and essentially the same services are being delivered but your mate's only paying, your next door neighbour's only paying 5000 and is it fair that your other next door neighbour on the other side who's got $2 million under investment, under advice, is paying twenty grand a year and subsidising you, perhaps? Is it? I don't know. Is it fair or isn't? Uh, isn't it? I don't know. So you know, I have a view uh, on it. <laughs> well, you know, we've all got we've all got a view, and you know what camp everyone knows what camp we sit in. But you know, I, I think it's pretty important that you know people understand that you know, although one percent on face value or whatever the percentage is. Mm-hmm. It could be 0.8% yeah. um, or half a percent. On yeah. face value, it sounds like a low figure, but it just needs to be factored in, you know, what's the potential that this portfolio can do over the years and, and what is that figure going to end up being and, you know, is it enough to hurdle and, you know, and, and ensure that I get value for, for, yeah. for that advice fee paid? Yeah. Value for fees paid is the key here. Yeah, you know, and and current and, and often looking at it. So if you if you're having money um, managed and you're paying a one percent advice fee for that, it probably means that every so often you should be um, asking your financial planner or do it or you or doing it yourself and comparing the real returns you're receiving mm. against the market. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we'll digress a little bit, mm. but we know that most. Uh, you know, asset managers underperform the market generally um, over long tranches of time. So, you know, if you're paying for an active management, which is typically what you see with a percentage-based fee, like that's typically what you see, it's not always, um, you've got to be damn sure that, you know, that hurdle rate's being met yeah. um, and you're exceeding, you know, the cost and, and uh, of, the, of the ongoing advice, yeah. percentage-based fee. So which, the downside of the percentage-based fee model is that you, you would perhaps tend to pay more perhaps tend to pay more yep. over time than you would with a fixed dollar amount. Um, a positive is often um, seen to be that um, your financial planner um, is... Um, if your financial planner helps you grow your portfolio, then they win and you win. Yeah, yeah. so you sort of... The incentives are tied. Yeah. Um, you know, to, pro- to, to grow the portfolio. Of, yeah, of course yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that then goes back to the old chestnut of, well, how can they really outperform the market over 30 years anyway? Yeah, yeah. which is, which yeah, is yeah. yeah. Anyway, percentage-based advice fees versus fixed-dollar advice fees, there are those two models out there. Um, when you're seeking financial advice and you're looking at what you're going to pay for it mm. on an ongoing basis, just make sure that you are confident and convinced that you're going to receive value for the services that are going to be provided. Fair enough. We could talk about it for hours, and we do. We we, we could, but, yeah, yeah. you know, we've got to be reasonably black and white, and we want to be reasonably black and white, but, you know, I I think it's fairly evident from the evidence um, that, you know, you can pay a lot of money and potentially receive an outcome that would have been better off paying a lower fixed fee. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on. All right, done. Conflicts of interest. There's been a bit about that in the media lately. It has. Uh, in the financial world, financial, um, not, you know, not just funds management or, or whatever, but uh, or financial planning, but um, financial world generally. So mm. conflicts of interest. Um, what is a conflict of interest and what might it look like? Well, as, as far as, you know, 
one party having more information than another or benefiting at the at the expense of at the expense of the other party that that, that's probably you know and whether it's perceived or actual um i think is irrelevant um because you know conflicts exist every day you know of the week um but when it becomes financial conflicts i think it's much easier to delineate where you know there's some benefit obtained at you know the loss of another party um it, it's more i guess why i'm saying it's easy to understand because it's usually measured around financial metrics like yeah. hey you know this amount of money could have been this and it's this because you know um a, a monetary conflict existed so yeah. i just think it's easier to delineate between the two and obviously that's kind of what we're talking about today aren't we yeah we are um, you know, in, in our financial planning world, um, you know, there's a code of ethics and um, some, you know, um, guides and, and things around that, that that say that, you know, you, you, there shouldn't be conflicts of interest yeah. or they need to be very carefully managed. Yeah. In fact, the code, of, the, the code of ethics at the moment says that you shouldn't act where there is a, code, a conflict of interest. No. And there's a whole lot of toing and froing in the profession at the moment about what does that actually mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my, my, some, my, some my preference would be that there was no financial conflict of interest. So my preference would be that all financial planners weren't allowed to recommend products in which they or a related party could actually get a financial interest out of. Yeah. That would be my preference. I, I just um, think that should just be the law. Yeah. Um, and, and if, you know, that, that should be the actual interpretation of the law. There should not be financial conflicts of interest. Hmm. I agree, yeah. um, but you know, they're, 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 they're but we know around. that that's not the case. Yeah, well, you know, people have argued to me that if you charge a fee at all, <coughs> that there is a conflict. Damn, of damn good point, yeah. and you um, know, I, I, and and that is actually right. No, no, that is hmm. that is. That is actually right, hmm. but it's understood what the services are being provided for that fee. Yeah, so you know, no no service can be provided for free and be sustainable. Um, so, no, you know, no, you know, so that argument says um, if you go to your doctor and he wants to charge you for the consultation, that's a con- that's a conflict of interest. Well, it's not really. No. He's providing a service. You know what you're getting, yeah, I think. Uh, you know what you're getting and, you, and you're prepared to pay but for it. But conflicts could exist along the way, perceived or real. But, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you, and I think, I think it does become murky. Um, yeah. So, you know, what, what's a common conflict of interest um, situation in the financial world? Um, fin- our, our world, it's, it's vertical it's pretty, integration. Vertical integration, which it's where a financial planner sells or convinces a client to enter a product mm-hmm. in which the financial planner is going to benefit financially. Or so, the financial planner's principal has some vested interest, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, that has happened in the past. Oh, that's happened, you know, all the banks and AMP over the past few years now yep. have been paying back millions, if not billions of dollars in, in compensation, in compensation due to, to vertical conflicted, due, due to conflicted um, advice. Yep. So I thought I'd bring it up today because what can... What can people do to ensure that they're not going to get into that situation where they're disadvantaged because they've been recommended a product that is conflicted? What could they do, do you think? They can ask questions around 
the investments that are being recommended, mm-hmm. who owns the investments, what financial interests that the advisor may have in any of the investments. Now, this is appropriately disclosed to you or should be in a statement of advice so after you've actually engaged but you should be entitled to ask those questions before you do engage and you should have clear concise answers now if a conflict does exist i would say that it's probably wise and you know a a real financial conflict exists um, where say for example the advisor is investing your money or looking to invest your money where you know the parent company has some type of vested interest i would say you know that's a reasonable conflict of interest where you might want to go hey i need to understand if this is going to be right for me or wrong and possibly look at alternatives what are are the alternatives that you're considering yeah well that's what you'd ask um you you want me to invest in this fund in which you have ownership or your the licensee has ownership Show me the alternative. Show me, show me an alternative mm. where there is not that position, conflict. There is not that potential yeah. conflict. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the pro- and the problem is a human nature problem, and we can legislate the hell out of it if we want to. But if money is involved and there's conflicts of interest involved, people attend. You know, people tend, and not always, people tend to do things that aren't necessarily in the best interest of the other party. Um, that that is I don't think that could be argued yeah. any other way that that you know that that's the bulk of the time so agree with your point hey if a conflict does exist what's the alternative that you're considering and why aren't you considering it um, yeah. what why aren't you suggesting XYZ super fund instead of ABC super fund in which you have And it becomes even, you know, and it boils down to another level beyond that, Steve, because what we've seen and, you know, particularly more recently and, you know, Dixon Advisory, who is a large financial planning and self-managed super fund business. for many, many years, they were sort of considered to be... Market darlings. Market darlings, yeah. you know. They could do no wrong. Yeah. They're, they're the guiding light yeah. in so, financial so, services. So, so, you know, if we if we pull the curtain back a little bit, it wasn't necessarily so much the fund that they were recommending because a lot of the advice, from what I can understand, was self-managed super fund. So, you know, you could argue that that's pretty clean of conflict in some respects, um, depending on what forms the investment. Now, what what has unravelled since then is the underlying investment that the investor is investing in, not the super fund itself, um, had serious conflicts, which has basically derailed and sent the company into into administration. Now, why were financial planners in the company recommending that clients' money go into a product within their self-managed super fund that the company itself had seriously high fees on it at that point in time generating massive amounts of revenue and were you know was arguably underperforming significantly in comparison to the equivalent asset class yep. what, what why why is that occurring hmm. you know well, that was, that's a classic case of a conflict of interest yeah, yeah. isn't it um, but, but i'm just saying let's scratch a bit yeah. deeper down than the surface because we can you know say hey there's super fund xyz and super fund this it's actually lower than that it's what what are you actually invested in in yeah, those yeah. funds where yeah. and, and are there some conflicts of interest that might exist yeah. so that that market darling you know um dixon mm. um that what they were doing was they were setting up self-managed super funds i'm, I'm guessing um with the aim 
to then recommend that their clients invest into the conflicted investment option. You know, so the self-managed super fund on its own is not a not conflicted in any way. No, no. Um, but if it's being set up with a view to have a conflicted investment um, being owned by the self-managed super fund, well, yeah. that's not real good. And it's turned out to be not real good for the investors, hasn't it? Um, well, uh, there, there are rare examples where it turns out to be good for the investors hmm. ever where there is a financial conflict of interest. Like in, hmm. you know, I, I do say that, ever. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we need – and this is history. So I'm not saying that, you know, there could be conflicts of interest financially that are occurring right now and certain, you know – everywhere um, but, but you know all of them just seem to fall on their head yeah. um, why is that because you know once there's money involved and people are, people are thinking you know with greed and, and you know I'll say it there's greed involved then you know we've seen that people's interests are put to the side and the money trail you know surpasses that and yeah. you know well, we see it at the moment um, as well with you know crypto all right, so everyone crypt, cryptocurrency is on <laughs> on the tip of everyone's tongues at the moment. So not at the um, moment so much because I think it's going down a fair bit. Down, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it is, um, and because there's potential to make money out of it, um, you know, asset, which is the government regulatory body, mm. they've come out and said, "Hey, be very careful about people who are coming to you via social media or yeah. email or SMS and saying, hey." Take your super, set up a self-managed super fund and invest in crypto. And by the way, we'll help you invest in that crypto. Yeah. Um, yeah, ASIC's come out and said, hey, come on, be careful. Yeah, see, so, um, so ASIC have got to take the line of, you know, they, they can't explicitly say, don't be a stupid idiot um, in their publications. But if you read between the lines, that's effectively what they're saying. So, yeah, yeah. hey... Don't be a stupid idiot. Don't get advice off a social media post and go yeah. and stick your money into crypto. But especially when it's your your entire retirement savings. No, you know? no, no. The, 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 mm. the problem that exists with, you know, the example we've got here. So your, your example is crypto. And, mm. and I think, you know, most people aren't going to be stupid enough to go and do that. Mm. Uh, now, Dixon is, you know, arguably... <sighs> A little bit different because there's a perceived value and trust that this yeah. business has created um, around its clients, or you know, through marketing and all that type of stuff. And then once we've dug a bit deeper, that that's actually been taken advantage of. The clients have arguably been taken advantage of to prop up something that's been extremely profitable for the for the company yeah. um, and extremely detrimental to the investors, which are the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be so careful. Hmm. You know, just be so, so damn careful. Uh, yeah. if, um, you're, if you're engaging a financial plan or anyone that's got anything to do with your money, ask lots of questions mm. and be, you know, you're, you're entitled to if you're engaging the services mm. of a professional yep. to ask them whatever questions you like. Yep. You know, no they, man can serve two masters. And if they don't want to give you the answers and don't want to take you on as a client because you are asking too many questions, then it's probably a good thing. Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, I, I guess, again, the common theme of if you're making decisions about your money, be informed, ask questions yep. and um, dig. Um, so if any of the information isn't offered, ask for it. Yep. So, you know, what do you have an interest in this product? In yep. what way? Why are you recommending it to me then? Why is it better than an alternative? Mm. What is the alternative that you've considered and why haven't you recommended that? Yep. I think that's a very fair question yep. to ask. Anyway, hopefully one day um, 
that issue of vertical integration, which we know is where a financial planner um, has ownership or a financial interest in some way in a product. Yep. And is in, is able to recommend it be sold. Yeah. Recommend it be purchased by the mm. client. Hopefully that's outlawed one day. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think it'd be a great thing. Yeah. So that and, the device and is clean of any um, product inducement. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, completely agree. Mm. All right. Let's get off that. All right. We could, again, we could talk about that one we for could. hours, couldn't we, Luke? We could. Mm. And we have. But we're yeah. going to move on now to Robin Powell. Okay. So Robin Powell's a dude who, um, he's actually based in the UK and uh, he's quite active on um, social media and, uh, and his book around, um, around some of those conflicts of interest that have occurred in, in, um, in the UK. In the UK. Yep. Um, um, but he's also you know, a big believer in keeping things simple with investing and um, the index style of investing, yep. passive approach, etc. Pretty, pretty, pretty similar to our view. Yeah, yep. pretty similar. Um, just, just as you know, someone else who doesn't wear shoes, the barefoot investor, you know, says a lot of things um, that we actually agree with. Yeah. Um, you know, he also says a few things that we don't. Um, but but that's all right. That's okay. Robert, Robin Powell has written a, be- a book with Ben Carlson, Carlson called Invest Your Way to Financial Freedom. Mm-hmm. It's actually worth a read. Um, if you were to get onto Amazon, um, I actually ordered a hard copy. Um, took about three months to get here. <laughs> well, there you go. So we've got, a copy. we've got a copy in the got office if anyone needs if one. If anyone wants to drop in and borrow it, they can. Um, but anyway, there's some good good points there. And I thought they'd just form, um, you know, the ability for us to have 15 minutes on a, on a few of the points that Done. he made to say. Okay, um, one of his points is avoid credit card debt like the plague. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? Do you think that's people should? Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and why, why and I think his distinction, and I haven't read the book, mm-hmm. but credit card debt, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure, and I haven't read the book, he probably doesn't explicitly say don't use credit cards. Mm-hmm. He probably says don't use credit you don't allow yourself to get into debt with a credit card. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is that right? Because a credit card can be effective, yeah. you know, you know, b- borrowing the, effectively using the bank's money interest-free for a period of time. Yeah. The bank knows that most people aren't very good at doing that, so yeah. give them the credit card and then they end up in debt and they end up, you know, having to continually pay back interest. Yeah. So, yeah, it's bad debt. It's um, high interest. Um, uh, and if you've got high interest debt, his point is that you're not ready to invest. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you shouldn't even be contemplating investing if you've got high interest debt that you um, are struggling to clear. Yep. Um, so, you know, that's a, a good point. It's a very salient point. We've just come out from Christmas and um, I'm guessing that there'll be people out there who do have some credit card debt. Let's hope it's not out of control, but if it is, mm. um, that should probably be the first thing that you focus on in your financial world is is. Mm getting rid of it well now we've got the new mm-hmm. you know form of credit card which is you know, buy now pay laters mm-hmm. which you know are arguably arguably um as vicious as the credit card debt mm-hmm. cycle yeah so uh, you know i guess his point around creating wealth is don't even think about investing in other stuff if, other? if you've got a high interest debt at 15 or 16 or 20 percent yep, yep. Okay, um, another point he, he, they make um, is that saving is more important than investing, mm-hmm. um, which may may seem a little out there. What do you think about that? Do you think saving is more important than investing? Well, you've got to be able to save first, don't you? Mm. 
Like, you know, it's got, it's kind of logical if you think about it. So, yeah, you wouldn't want to save your money and just leave it necessarily in cash or term deposits if the objective is to grow that wealth. But to invest, you've actually got to be able to save. Yeah, yeah. Like, to, is, that, is that the point? That's pretty much the yeah. point. So, so he talks about in the book um, around um, over time, so starting off um, being able to commit a portion of your income to savings, mm-hmm. right, and and commit to maintaining and increasing that portion over time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're young, you're just starting out, you're on, you're you're serving an apprenticeship, you're not earning a lot of money, but if you can get into the habit of saving, putting away ten percent of your income, and then continuing to do that as you earn more, then that's a great habit that will make you very wealthy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in fact, he says, well, as time goes on, set your goals to save more than the 10%. Yeah. Um, if you can get into that habit, once you reach a certain level of savings, you can then start to invest and have confidence that you'll be continually able to do that. Um, so the point is, don't, don't skip the savings bit to go straight into investing. Don't say, hey, my mate's investing in crypto. I haven't got enough money to even pay out my credit card or but I'm going to go pump some and find five grand and put it into crypto yeah, yeah. Um, you're getting it the wrong way around form a habit of saving first I'm sure there's a few people in 2020 that withdrew from their super fund to go and buy some crypto yeah. but I guess we'll never know we won't <laughs> Robin and Ben also talk about um, living below your means not within your means mm-hmm. Um, what does that really mean? So what they're saying is it's not, not actually good enough to just spend what you earn. Yeah, well, well means, the mm. definition of means is financial resources. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Oxford, yeah. Oxford definition, I'm pretty sure. So, um, you know, he's saying not don't live within your financial resources or your mm. financial capability, live below it. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty obvious, isn't it? It is. And you swing that around to another topic we've talked about, which is um, save first. Um, spend later. Spend later. Yeah. Um, successful people who become wealthy, whatever wealthy means for them, mm-hmm. um, generally have the habit and routine of um, living below their means. Yeah. All right. So, or be, just because they can afford to do something, doesn't mean that they do it, um, and they have those habits around saving and um, and not um, using all of their available cash flow. Yep. That's a yeah. I mean, we, we bang on that about, you know, about that one a lot. But, you know, there are consistent themes that, you know, well-known um, investment advocates like Robin and, and his co-author here, um, you know, we espouse them, we share them. Um, and, it's, you know, it's good to see that there's consistent themes. And, you know, we're just saying that, you know, we often are repeating ourselves, but it, it is as simple as sometimes just pulling it back to, you know, these, these key sort of... Yep. Um, there are plenty more nuggets in the book that um, we'll, we'll talk about over the coming weeks okay, and months. Right. But, but yeah, the final one I wanted to mention today was um, taxes matter. And mm-hmm. I know this is one close to your heart. Um, taxes matter. Um, is it? Uh, <laughs> well, the effect they have on your returns. Oh, yeah. Is, um, is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so consider the structures that you're using to invest. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. And, 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 that, and that's yeah. ignored so yeah. often. Yeah. Like. So, so, so in Australia, we have one 
very powerful tax effective um, well not one there are, there are another but the, the main one is as a tax effective investment vehicle is what superannuation, superannuation. yeah, yeah. Um, so superannuation you can get a tax deduction for putting money into the into the investment mm-hmm. and you get a potentially a reduced rate of earnings tax along the way um, you know, consider that um, most know, people earning money um, will you know it's not a very well together strong sentence most people on the average people on the average income in Australia will be paying a rate of tax above the superannuation tax rate so if I have an option as to where you know and this is purely theoretical Mm -hmm. if I have an option to save a dollar and invest it in the exact same way in my personal name or in the exact same way in my superannuation fund what is going to net me the better financial outcome? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the account with the lower tax rate. Yep. So, you know, people just need to keep that stuff in mind because, mm-hmm. you know, people get really keen to build wealth, but are there strategic ways to build wealth? Um, you know, are there better ways to build wealth? And, mm-hmm. you know, super is just one of those things that's just not even considered yep. because they don't realise that, you know, in, in a lot of instances, you, you know, if you invest in a certain way outside of superannuation, you can invest in the exact same way inside superannuation. Like, mm. a lot of people just don't realise that. So I think yeah. it's quickly discounted because of that reason. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, another simple example is, you know, you have a, a couple um, and they're looking to invest some money. Mm-hmm. Super is not on the table for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, one member of the couple is earning 150 grand a year. Mm-hmm. The other member of the couple is earning $10,000 a year. Yeah. And it's likely that the lower income um, earning member of the couple will be earning low income for the rest of their, yeah, yeah. their life. Now, everything, everyone's different, but if you're going to be placing an investment, what name would you do it in? Of course, the lower income. The lower income yeah. earner because they'll pay less, less tax on the earnings. Yeah. Now, it's not always as black and white as no, that no, because you've got not. to consider future capital gains yeah, yeah, yeah. or lots of things. But um, but there, that's that's one um, example of you know where taxes matter. You know, if you, if you can invest... Um, in one party's name and pay no tax compared to investing in the other party's name and pay 40, 30, 40 cents yeah, of the dollar 40 tax. Yeah, close to 40 cents of the dollar. Yeah. Then, you know, you need to consider yeah. it. Yeah, and, and for every cent that wasn't paid in tax, that's mm. wealth that can, can continue to compound at, yeah. you know, whatever rate of return um, you're earning on your investment. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that's enough um, for, from Robin and Ben today. <laughs> and enough from and enough the from, money men? Enough from the money men, Steve and Luke. Yeah, um, fair enough. So um, good to be back. It um, is, happy yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone. Make sure that you leave a review, mention us to friends, and um, make sure our ever-growing listenership um, continues to grow. Yep, awesome. Beautiful. See you in a fortnight. See you. Bye. Bye.